it's about getting into schools and talking to young people because you know I, I know that people can change uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever and we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there absolutely Hello guys, we are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible so thank you very much to find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do and more importantly how you can help head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com oh hi guys welcome Game show wave, everybody. Game show wave. Smile. Uh, it's great that we're here for the, you know, the final episode, Jamie. Here we go again. One more time in 2022. One it's, more uh, time. It's been a hell of a ride. Oh, yeah. The best of rides. Absolutely. So for the final time then, Jamie, I suppose that these right here are the Chronicles of 2022. Yeah, they are. Let's bring this year to an end of a bang, baby. Wonderful, we're almost at our destination now anyway, so uh, for the final time, hit it! Hey honey bunny, it's Rivka Reyes. This is Ron Wasserman, the nut that wrote Go Go Power Rangers. I'm Noel McNeil, and once upon a time I was a bear in a big blue house. It's Rab himself, Paul Rugg, the voice of Freakazoid, and you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Hello, everybody, and a welcome to the final episode of 2022, because are the chronicles of 2022. It is I, the bearded Brummy Jamie, and joining me, as always, as always, this handsome fella over here. What's going on, guys? This is Scott from Tom, and we're here for the final episode of the year. Jamie, that old Lang Syne these was absolutely yes, magnificent. It didn't cut out. You actually stayed in tune the whole time. It was literal. Probably the best these of the year, I've got to say. You know what I mean? You nailed it on the final episode of the year. Yes, I finally got it. <laughs> it's beautiful. It should be, it'd be hilarious if I put a whole montage of these in at the beginning. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that high-pitched noise, everyone should be like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but here we go, my friend. Here we are, the final episode of the year. Obviously, no interviews here, like, as, like we said, no interview this week again, uh, because we're closing out the year with a special edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. Yeah, this week's a little bit different. This is going to be, what should we say, a best of. Just some highlights of some of our favourite yeah. moments from the year, because I know a lot of people have not had a great 2022. It's all I've seen over social media is, come on, let's get this year out of the way. But personally, I think we've had a fucking great 2022. We've done so much this year. So let's celebrate it, baby. The thing is, it gets to that point now where you're like, come on, then, 2023. How do we fucking do? How do we top that? <laughs> but uh, it's, it's going to be good. But come on, this journey, guys. Come on, this ride with us. 
and uh, come and experience some of the best moments that we've had this year. But still, Jamie, how are you, my friend? Are you well? I am very well. I've had a day off work today, so I'm, I'm nice and relaxed. We're bringing the year to the end. Today, I've taken down all the damn Christmas decorations. Give me my house back. I'm quite sick to death of seeing them all. So bring it on. Good- it's so weird, isn't it? I find out people get really excited at the beginning. Trees up, get the tint up, put the lights up, the tints up. And then by about the 23rd, 24th, like, fucking ass, I take up so much room, I can't wait to get this shit down. Well, Olivia turned around to me yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, day four, and went, Daddy, why are the decorations still up? Christmas is over. I was like, you know what? You're damn right, kid. Let's get it back in the fucking loft. <laughs> get, get the box out of love. I'll, I'll make me a brew and I'll, uh, I'll uh, watch. <laughs> Let's get it back up in the loft. Be gone. Got me room back. Thank God. How about you, Wonderful. sir? How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm I'm all right. I was very unwell last night, so um, I don't know if it was just a case of eating too much, um, but I think a combination of gins, Nando's hot sauce, and uh, silver skin onions in vinegar, <laughs> uh, I think that combination, my stomach just went, ha! You think you're going to sleep tonight? I don't think so. I literally retched to the point where nothing comes. And it was, oh, man, I was so sick. It was horrible. And now my stomach, every time I breathe in, my stomach's like, <laughs> and it just hurts a lot. So I've hardly eaten today. It's a bit shit. But I can imagine your breath, your stomach, and your arsehole are three of the most dangerous places on the planet yesterday. The arse is fine. The arse is fine. Oh. The arse is, is not, nothing's happened there. Okay. Um, it was all just vomit. It was horrible. And oh. it was, at points, it was red, which was concerning me. Um yeah, it was all like, yeah, I won't go too much detail. Um, but I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm tired because I hardly slept and I was sick everywhere last night, but I'm fine. I'm all good. We're here. We're here. We're doing the show. That's the main thing. So we're keeping the show on the road here, boys. Yeah, we are. But before we start bringing this year to a wraps, we've got to ask that question, sir. How was your Christmas? Oh, I can't believe you beat me to it. Um, okay, because normally you always go first here, Jace. This is a bit, this is a bit, oh, yeah. this is new territory for me here. I'm like, oh. Going first, okay. Oh wow, um, yeah, it was great. It was really great. Uh, Christmas Eve, I went back to Cheltenham. Um, I went and saw my best mate Paul. So I went for a coffee. Me and Kerry went for a coffee with him, and then I saw my best mate Joe Green, and we went for a coffee with him, and I had a beverage as well in uh, in Copa, which was quite nice. Uh, it was lush to see him, and then we drove back to Gloucester because my mum was like, "Don't come over till three thirty. It's like okay, but we're desserts this year. So whatever member of the family got us different, like cuisine, not cuisine, like uh, starter main, desserts, picky bits, crisps, drinks, whatever. Mm. So me and Karis were desserts this year. And um, we went shopping on the Friday night to Newport Tesco. Jamie, I'm not joking. The freezers were empty. And I was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we only got paid then. We were like, fuck. Um so we managed to pick up a bit, a, a couple of bits there, and then we went to Tesco by my mum's. Um, well, as soon as we got there, and luckily their freezers were full, so I was like, "Oh, oh, heck, fuck!" So they've obviously just, they obviously had like a restock or something, or a redelivery that morning or something. And I was like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." Um, so we did that. So then we, so I saw Paul, saw Green, and then we drove to my mum's, and we had like a massive Christmas Eve like party type, like loads of picky bits, food, drinks playing games and it's always absolutely mental um with my family around because obviously there's so many of us uh so that was great and then we drove back that night um although um everyone started leaving about seven half seven and then i think my brother left about eight and we we're like oh yeah we're gonna head off as well i was like oh i just i just need to do one thing before we do go 
45 minutes later, Jamie, I blocked my mum's toilet. <laughs> I was like, I just need to have a quick poo. Uh, and then we'll get ahead because obviously it's about 50 minutes away, put an hour away. I was like, I can't hold on any longer. I've held on all day here. Um, went, to, went to use the flush and was like, well, that's not good. <laughs> I it surprised to bring uh, a dessert. I brought a Yule log. Yeah, it took 10 minutes to disperse using hot water from the kettle. So Keris is looking at me like, Christ. why the fuck are you talking about this? <laughs> and why do you have so much pride on your face? Yeah, well, it's it's funny because weirdly, my brother was just talking about how a toilet got blocked, and then he left, and I literally did it. So he it's obviously threw into the universe, either, is it? You... I was like, "Yeah, mum, I'm so sorry, I blocked your toilet." She's like, "What? What do you mean you blocked the toilet?" I was like, "I literally have just had the biggest shit ever, and I blocked you." She goes, oh, "I love that toilet; it's not that great anyway." I was like, "Ah, oh. well, there we are. Petrol, <laughs> <Excel>, please." <laughs> Let's just burn it. Let's just set it alight. Yeah. It'll be fine. I was, I was quite tempted to be like, I, she was like, let me deal with it. It's like, are, are you for real? You want to deal with it? Let me deal with this one. I think it's probably best that I deal with this rather than. Uh, I think yeah. I'm a little bit old for you to be dealing with my poopies now, mother. Yeah. Three <laughs> three days later. Love, I suck. I'll flush it. Um, but no, eventually. Anyway, let's move on. Christmas Day was great. So uh, we went over to Carrie's sister's uh, and we had like Christmas breakfast, which was smoked salmon, avocados, and eggs. Um, on toast, uh, and I was absolutely delish. Watched the kids like watched their nephews open their presents, like got some giftage gifts and whatnot. Very happy with my gentleman kingsman coat. Um, oh, it's lush. I can't wait to go to New York in that bad boy. Um, funnily, Carrie bought her own coat and it came today, and she's been parading around in it. Um, <laughs> she's like, "Let me try my bag on. Let me have a look in the mirror." <laughs> Does it go so with lush. these shoes? Does it go with these shoes? <laughs> I get asked that question a lot. Um, so Christmas Day, we did that. We went over. Uh, we just had drinks. We had food. Christmas dinner was, excuse me, <clears throat> Christmas dinner was absolutely banging. Um, watched a bit of Gino, Gordon, and Fred, um, and their Christmas trip to Morocco. Weirdly, um, yeah. And we got back about five-ish, I think, and we just literally just sat in front of the TV and chilled. So, um, yeah, pretty decent. Boxing Day, we went to her mum's. And had homemade Chinese, and it was fucking stunning. Um, and just watched like Big Hack Quiz of the Year, and did loads of that sort of stuff. Just like literally chilled, drank, and watched TV. It was really, really nice. So yeah, it's been absolutely banging, my friend. How about you? I love it. Well, Christmas Eve for me was very uneventful because I was at work till ten PM. So yeah. I got home. We sorted out the presents. Um, watched Jingle all the way because I realised I hadn't watched it yet this Christmas. And then went to bed. So that was pretty much it for Christmas Eve. But Christmas Day was great. Woke up about half six, seven. Small child in the house. You know what it's like. Um, came downstairs, opened presents. I have one of my new favourite moments in life with that child because of Christmas Day and opening presents. Because I turned around to her and I said, right, Olivia, daddy wrote a special letter to Santa because I wanted you to have this special present. So I wrote to him personally, got this put on your list. You know, I don't want to spoil the magic. And she's like, what is it, Daddy? I was like, open it and find out. Is it a Power Ranger? I was like, open it and find out. She opened it up. Action figure of the pink Power Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, because she's loving that show at the minute, as I said. And she literally looked at me and went, did you get that put on my Santa list, Daddy? I went, yeah. She just jumped on me and gave me the biggest hug and kiss ever. And I was like, yes, 
parenting win for me. I was so happy. It was amazing. But no, we had, we had a lovely morning just opening all the presents and stuff. The kid got spoiled rotten. But so did I this year. I think I got more presents this year than I've had like in fucking years. It was great. Yes. Yeah, I'm loving it. I got loads of games and DVDs and t shirts and all that. I got a Chewbacca onesie, which is quite comfy. And I got a surprise gig tickets to a gig I never thought I'd go to. I'm actually really excited. I got tickets to go see Youngblood. Oh, okay. Nice. I've said for a while, I've said for a while now, look, I don't know his music that well, but it's just something about him I find really captivating. Like he's a fascinating person. I was like, I bet he would be great to see live. Even if his music's not all that great, I bet him live would be amazing to all that energy. And Becky brought me tickets to see him. And I'm actually really excited. So I can't wait for that. That's going to be good. Nice. I'm really excited. Um, Then... What did you do? We hung around. My mom came. My mom, her partner, and my sister came around. We exchanged presents. We had breakfast. Breakfast. We had croissants, pan of chocolates, and um, nice. What are they called? What are they called? Clip. I had to think of that bit from Austin Powers to remember what it's called. Was it? Clip. Clip. Crep. C R E P E. Oh, oh crepe. Crepe, crepe, whatever the fuck. Oh, crepe, yeah, the same thing. Yeah, sorry, because it's, it's so quick. I was like, is he saying clip? What's he need a clip for? Thanks, man. I can find it on there now. <laughs> uh, but then we had it, we did a quick present drop off with a friend of ours, gave them their kid their present, got Olivia hers. And then we went to Becky's parents for the rest of the day. Had a great time. We had Christmas dinner first, which was delicious. I had me a plate full of sprouts. I was very, very happy. You know me, I love my sprouts on Christmas Day. Um, exchange presents, like I said. I've got another ice cream machine, which I'm really excited to use. Another one? Yeah, it's different though. It's like that a, that's free. Okay, go yeah, it's like a tray bowl. So you pour the mix in, you just keep stirring it and scooping it around and it makes ice cream rolls. So instead of having to wait for it to freeze over, it's just boom, done, eat it. I was like, fuck yeah. Can't wait. Oh, to wow, be okay. I'm going to end up reopening so the what... business. I'm going to get so excited using it. Westy's ice cream is back next year, then, guys. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what else did we do? We found out that Becky's brother got engaged. So congratulations. Yeah, I was going to say massive congratulations, yeah. James. Yeah, I saw that on Facebook today. So yeah, I was going to say massive congrats. That was a. Bless them. They're awesome. They're so well good together as well. I was like, I turned around to her and I was just like, you're now I'm not the only idiot marrying into this family. Fuck yeah. <laughs> We're going to start a support group. Um, oh, fair. Oh, fair. Yeah, yeah. I just hope James realizes that the Dolphins final playoff spot, that the Dolphins are going to think they're going to get the Steelers are going to take. So it's fine. <laughs> like It's all good, James. Don't worry. We're, we're coming for that playoff spot that you are currently sitting only you could turn an engagement into an NFL dig. I fucking yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, we we, just, we played past the parcel again because Olivia loved it last time. And we played some bingo. Olivia was being a bingo caller, which was really adorable. Um, and we just headed home. Me and Becky chilled out. We built our Lego that we got for Christmas. Watch TV. Yeah. I just had an image, sorry to interrupt you, of Olivia do the bingo calling. It's legs 11. <laughs> you know I mean, it's like, not like, it's 67, daddy. And it's like, all the nines, 99. Like, <laughs> I would have been so impressed. <laughs> With a proper Yorkshire accent, I'm sorry, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> I love that even my five-year-old daughter now got a Yorkshire accent. But I will point out the fact that we played three rounds and I got the house on all three. Thank you very much. Yeah, nice. 
the game of no skill. I won. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Boxing Day, we had the kids come round, which was great. Like Boxing Day morning, Becky went to go get the kids and I just did fucking everything in this house. I got the table ready. I got Olivia ready. I got the cooking ready. I felt like a regular old 1940s housewife. It was great. But I got it all done. And then the kids came around, open presents. We had a we had a great day. My mom and Tony and Rhiannon came back as well. It was just a great chilling out day. Just fun family day. I, I love it. Just just family day. Kids love their presents. I love their presents off them. Yeah, I, I fucking love Christmas. It's great. And then 27th, I was back to work. And now we're here. Hi. It's, it's, it's literally over in a flash. And it's literally like, boom, done. Yeah. Next year. Like, fucking hell. Jesus Christ. Hello. Um, I just want to shout out to my sister, Grace. Happy 16th birthday, literally today. Um, as we record this show, so uh, it'll be out obviously this time. But yeah, my Grace is sixteen, man. It's like That's what? Nuts! <laughs> like what is going on? What like, is going on? I feel like I have memories of finding out she was born. I'm like I'm probably wrong, but I feel like I do. So she was 2006. I didn't know you then. No, no, it wasn't then. Okay, I must just remember her being very. When young I met then. when I met you, she was two. Yeah, I must just have memories of her being very young then. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's mental. Absolutely mental. So I just wanted to get that in there now uh, whilst we're here. So, yeah. Good. I'm glad you had a good day. I'm glad you had a good Christmas, my friend. It's, uh, it's good yeah. to hear. Really good to hear. Considering the build-up, it didn't feel very festive at all. When the day got here, I was like, I'm fucking loving this. This is a good Christmas this year. I like it this year. It's been, been a banging year, to be honest with you. But can you believe Maxi Jazz, at least from the Faithless, passed away on Christmas oh, Eve? Oh, no. Couldn't believe that. Also couldn't believe he was 65. Jesus Christ. <laughs> my mum, my mum, like... Other than George Michael, because obviously he passed away on Christmas Day six years ago, Faithless were her other like they're like her two ultimate favorite bands. She oh got God. to see Faithless live. She got to see Faithless live, luckily enough. So she's actually seen them. She never got to see George, but yeah. So she was like, "What?" Aww. So yeah, she was absolutely heartbroken. Bless her. She was so gutted. I'm not so surprised. Gutted. So um, yeah, I have images. Well, not images. I have stories from my sister Kate who took her. Um, of when Faithless came on, mum didn't sit down the entire. She mum danced the entire <laughs> way through the Faithless set. <laughs> so That's yeah, great. I would love to have seen that. This is fucking uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gl- so I'm glad Christmas was great, mate. So maybe we should crack on with the show then. It's been uh, it's been quite should. a wild ride, so we should get into it. But before we do, we should hear from our boy at Stay Cozy Clothing. Oh, go on then. All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boys. So, Jamie, here we go. What an unbelievable year this has been for us. It's it, it's actually kind of mental when you look back at it and go, like, the people we spoke to and everything. It's just, this has just been, we've reached heights that I thought that, you know, weren't it, it, how do I explain it? It's like you have these dreams. You go, oh, I'll be grateful for the show this, but obviously we want to. We're just happy to do it this way. And then you're like, hang on a second, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? Oh, oh, okay, we'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Like I've been doing a lot of reflecting this past past week while I've been thinking about doing this show, and some of the people we have spoken to in this past year is absolutely insane. Like people which 
before we booked them, we'd never really heard of. And they're like, holy shit, these are amazing. Why have I never heard these before? And then people you've loved since childhood, and they're like, holy shit, I'll get to talk to this person. And yeah, it's just insane with some of the people we've spoken to this year. I think the pinnacle for you was definitely Wednesday. I oh, think yeah. that was the, that was the moment where you were like, bucket list guest, holy shit. You know, strap yourselves in, boys, here we go. And a huge sense of pride for myself because I didn't fangirl and I acted professional the whole time. Fuck you me. did amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. That's why I swear. But you know what? <laughs> what? Jamie's, Jamie's kind of got this. I'll just kick back in there and watch the magic happen. So, um, yeah, it's been a nuts year. So uh, what we'd like to do is this, this, should we have a look at some highlights? Go on then. Highlight us. Speaking of the theatre of your live shows, there's a story rumour I heard many years ago about like early days of your career. And I just want to clarify if this is true, because it's one of those stories. I'm like, I need to know if this is true. I heard back in the days of FDQ, you used to feed KFC to a chicken on stage. Is this true? Partially true. Uh, he never made it to the stage to try the the chicken live. Uh, let me back this up. <laughs> <laughs> so I lived in North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina. Uh, and it's, you know, I lived out in the country. Uh, and it was common to be driving down some country road and see a sign out front for someone that goes, you know, tomatoes, you know, or, or, pecans for you know come by and get it and then it's also not rare to see chickens for sale <laughs> i saw a sign driving down the road chicken for sale like two bucks three bucks something like that so i'm like <laughs> back it up and uh i sent my girlfriend in there because she looked normal and i think at the time i had like purple <laughs> hair and I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, she went up to this old farmer guy and, and they sold it, sold her a chicken for a couple of bucks and put it in like a cardboard box. And I took it back to my house and uh, I went to Home Depot and bought some chicken wire and some two by fours. And I built this cool little cage out in my garage and it was right next to where we rehearsed. And he was going to be our stage chicken. <laughs> so I built. I built a little cage for him that would travel with us. And we were a three-piece band at the time. And my OCD just couldn't put the placement of a three-piece band. I was like, man, it just looks weird. You know, we got to, I can't stand in the middle. So we got to have, so the chicken set the balance off. He was the middle <laughs> guy. And and I built him a cool little, like I call the Tweety Bird cage. I built it and, uh, and we just, we put him in, in the cage. And so he was in the center and we played, I believe two shows with the chicken and uh, we were going to play the following weekend. And I remember, like I said, I built this cool little cage for him in the rehearsal spot. And uh, I was waiting for the band guys to show up for rehearsal one day. And I just came in and I had a box of KFC and I was eating my chicken and I'm just like, you know, munching down on it and a piece of chicken fell into the chicken cage. And the chicken jumped down and he ate it immediately. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, this chicken just ate chicken. <laughs> I could turn this into like a, like I'm, I'm thinking like a, like a, 
like some sort of like green <laughs> guy at a circus. And I'm like going, ah, I can announce this as the cannibal chicken. And <laughs> I'll be part of the show where I bring out a bucket of KFC and I just feed it chicken. Like people would think that was the most insane thing, whether they liked us or not, they would remember that forever. And, uh, so that was the plan. And, uh, I don't know what, what, what happened. Uh, it was a hot summer. I don't know if, 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 uh, he died from a heat overdose, but the day of the show, I went out and he was, he was legs up. Like, no. Yeah. So he didn't make it to his. I mean, it was going to be his big show. Oh, and, man. Uh, so, yeah. A lot of people didn't like the fact we had a chicken on stage. I don't think you can get away with doing that these days. Probably this, is like 19, this is 1996. <laughs> oh, so, uh, but yeah, back, back in 1996, we were, you know, we played the kind of venues that. Uh, I mean, I guess we didn't really ask. We just did it. Like we used to bring, like I said, we brought a chicken. Uh, we used to do our own pyrotechnics. I used to build my own pyro. Uh, you know, we used to do that all the time. And we would, and we'd be the opening band. And they'd be okay. Here, you guys, you got a thirty minute set. I'm like, cool. Let me set up these things of gunpowder over here. <laughs> we'd come out. We're the Frankenstein drag queen. <laughs> fire behind us i have no idea if it's going to go good or bad Nobody <laughs> watching we're just like just go for it just look forward and if nobody's screaming and you're not, <laughs> not on fire go for it i worked with kiss too did you i, I was uh, i don't know if that you saw that on my resume but when I, my band when i was 14 years old got produced by paul stanley during these are crazy 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 during the crazy nights days paul stanley became my producer of the band and uh he and i sang backgrounds in the studio together and then i did some paul stanley backgrounds on one of his one of his records in the early 2000s as well yeah paul Paul stanley Stanley, dude. dude Oh, I did. I did not know that. Yeah, one of the best oh, voices ever. Okay, I don't want to wear anything else now. I just want all Paul Stanley stories now. No, oh my god, <laughs> he, he was so he was so it was so cool. It was like the first celebrity that I was like working, literally standing in the studio singing backgrounds <clears throat> on the song that I wrote. That he was, he and I were going one on one, me on you. I want to show you what I love. That was the part that we had to sing together, standing there together, singing it. We're like, wow, I'm singing with Paul Stanley. (laughs) That Crazy Nights record, we were loving that Crazy Nights record. record. His voice is so high. I remember he sang at one point. Well, I can walk, walk, I walk. My way, one vocal, he he sounds like a chipmunk. Like so high, I'm like, dude. I've listened to an interview recently, and like, why don't you do any non-makeup stuff now? And he's like, I can't hit those notes anymore. Right, you can't <laughs> hit those notes anymore. Talk, talk, talk. I think it might have been higher than that, but it probably was his high pitch. Yeah, yeah. There, there's something to be said for recording vocals that you can sing after you turn fifty. <laughs> 
before you <laughs> before you turn fifty, so that you could actually have a career singing your music after you're fifty. I don't know how Paul Stanley's going to ever sing his shit again. He's got to use it all, put put all the high parts on track, and then just sing what he can sing live. <laughs> but most of his shit is high. I have that problem with the Pokemon theme song. I got to get up early to rehearse for that shit if I want to go. You teach me and I'll teach you. Hi, come on. Why? I mean, what's going on? See, it was not for reproduction. It was only for the TV show. Um, and for the first year I was with them, I was still living in the UK. Um, first okay. two years, actually. First two years I was with them, I was still in the UK. Do you know, do you know the story about I was exhibiting champion and I was over here and then because of the volcano erupted, I couldn't get back for the pay-per-view? No, no, I don't know. Okay, so I was, this is 2010. I was ex-division champion, okay, and then that volcano in Iceland erupted, didn't it? Yeah, I remember And that, yeah, all yeah. flights were grounded. And they had a pay-per-view that week, the weekend I was supposed to fly back. Um, but I couldn't get back. I was stuck in, in England. Oh. So they stripped me of the exhibition title at that pay-per-view. Whoa! Yeah. Bastards! <laughs> and when I finally got back on the, on, the, on, the, on the next set of TV tapings, I just won the TV title. I won the exhibition title back. <laughs> oh, well, that's all right. Were you scheduled to successfully defend on the pay-per-view then? As far as I know, yeah. Well, then. Yeah. <laughs> They couldn't yeah, have just scrapped the match and waited until well, the tape. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I know, I know. Well, there we go. Card subject but, um, to change. <laughs> but, like, the, the schedule for TNA wasn't that bad because they did their TV tapings in blocks. So you do TV, you do a pay-per-view on Sunday and TV Monday, Tuesday. Then you'd be home. And then maybe you do a house show loop the following weekend or maybe it would be the weekend after. So you, you pro- you'd probably do, like, maximum five probably 10 shows a month for them. So oh, it, wasn't, wow. it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Thanks for bringing up Freddy Godfinger. That's one of my... I love uh, that film. Yes. Yeah, I've got it down as well. <laughs> uh, triple triple award winner, uh, worst film ever made, worst performance, and worst director all, thanks to Tom Green. So I, I feel somehow I'm, I've been the head Nickelodeon slime of uh, Freddy all over <laughs> I'm honored nonetheless. Uh, it's just that it's just that goat. Is it the goat skin or whatever? Or he's on the motorway goes yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the deer, that's it. Oh my god. Oh dear, yeah. <laughs> Any, I'm Crazy. sorry, but any film that rigs up a system of sausages and keyboards is a winner for me. <laughs> well, it's weird because I will go to uh, different cities. I'm shooting in Atlanta, for example, and I you know, done the uh, films you mentioned, and, and the, the local crew behind the scenes guy, oh yeah, you did that. Oh, he did the fly, huh? Yeah, really. Robocop, huh? You did Freddy Got Fingered? <laughs> he, hey, guys, he did Freddy Got Fingered. He's the <laughs> It used to be Grandma's Boy. It used to be uh, oh. Vampire in Brooklyn. But, you know, I these are all market movies. That's what cameramen do, or cinematographers do, and apply our craft to, because I don't dictate who's in it and what's it about. I just, you know, my that's my motto, literally. 
it says on my business card. I don't write them. I just light them. So you no, guys write I like it. That's all it could ever be. And, you know, you've you've helped create memories for so many people, some of these projects. But but there's one of them that stood out to me the most on a personal level. Because when I was like two years old, my mom has memories of this. I would run up and down her our sofa with a little plastic guitar, jumping off, watching music videos by a certain oh. man named Mr. David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth. And you did the fat suit on the Going Crazy music video. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It brought back so many memories you know, for me. That was, that. Yeah, and that was, that was really funny because a, an ex-circus clown who turned assistant director was got a job producing a film for CBS called Crazy from the Heat. Yeah. And David had just left Van Halen and they were going to do a movie. Well, you know, Dave's a funny guy. You know, he he hired a couple of little people to be um I guess security guys for him. <laughs> and I guess, you know, I'm going to use an improper word here, but it's not nothing like having a scary midget being your head of your security team, right? <laughs> Well, one of those guys, both two guys were ex-circus clown friends of mine. And oh, then wow. here's my ex, ex other clown who's a producer. So they called me and said, hey, I'm doing this. We're doing the show with Dave Lee Roth. He wants a fat makeup. So I go in, I meet Dave and he's just an average great guy. And we start talking about it. And I said, okay, I need to do a full face of you and arms and all this stuff. <laughs> and he came over to the Burma studio, which was close by. And I took all my casts and did all the stuff for it. And everything was sculpted. In the meantime, I'd gotten my job at NBC. So this is all this in-between stuff happening. And then they called me back and they go, Steve, the movie got canceled. I go, crap. What am I going to do? We, we did the makeup test already. I did this really cool makeup test on Dave at his office. And my son came along and I borrowed a video camera. So I have the video of the first makeup test somewhere. Wow. Hopefully it's not degraded, but I still have to pull it out. That's another thing I have to do is pull out all these videos and, and movies out of stuff. But we were going to do this really cool makeup on Dave and it was going to be his own hair. He was going to be dressed as King Neptune coming up out of the ocean. So I designed a full naked <laughs> bodysuit with a mermaid tail a fishnet tank top, you know, his little gloves with the fingers out and stuff. And I thought, okay, this is going to be cool. What I need, I'll send you, I'll take a picture of the original design for that as King Neptune and send it to you. Oh, you'll God, get a, please do. You'll be a hoot to see what it originally was going to be. So meanwhile, I'm visiting my family in Oklahoma. I'm there for a wedding. And I get a call and it's Dave and he says, hey, Steve, we're going to do a music video. But the concept has changed. Um, you don't have to do a full suit. Uh, we'll get ward costume department's going to make a fat suit for me. We just need to use the arms and the face. And, but we need a pompadour hairstyle, you know, silver pompadour, because I'm going to do it with my, my partner. We're going to do the, the uh, what was it called? The two. Fabulous um, Picasso brothers. Picasso like, brothers. Yes. So. So his partner was the other character. And so then we started putting this together. Meanwhile, I had to fly back. We shot the video in two days. The first time I'd put the makeup on since the test six months before was the first day it works. Wow. And, and I'm using new techniques and painting it 
to get it ready. We put him all together. My friend hairstylist came in and helped, helped me build the wig right on Dave. And he, she sewed two wigs together and got it working for me. And I tidied it all up and got it going. And we shot that for two days. Um, and, but Dave was just a blast to work with. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it was so much fun. And when we go back, I'm not going to tell certain things, but let's just say he gave me a good going away present to keep me up and awake and happy all the way home. <laughs> Something that requires a cigarette lighter. <laughs> and it wasn't a candle. So he goes, hey, this will keep you up because I know you got an early plane to catch. So, but uh, so we, we, kept, we kept in touch. He even called me back later to do a mask for, that was on the front of his album called Eat Him and Smile. It was a yes. witch doctor mask. Yeah, I know the one. So I, I, made, I, I took, that. Yeah, I did a vacuum form of it and put a hinge jaw on it and painted the makeup on the clear vacuum form mask and did all the feathers in it. So all he had to do is run off stage and throw that mask on and he would be in that character. That's <laughs> but but here's the thing, if, if, you, if you went on the iPlayer now and whacked on a, uh, an episode from the most recent series, you will not be able to move for fart jokes. Perfect. Well, You'll that's what I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my honest, be a laugh. The food one's quite good. I play a German... Uh, uh, war official in that one. Oh, amazing. That's going straight on then. Excellent. <laughs> Any German accent done by a British guy. Oh. Again, like I said, that's one of the, the one, one wing of the trifecta that makes perfect horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Someone going, oh, 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 oh the France. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, beautiful, is it not? <laughs> uh, baguette. <laughs> I did one where I had to play a, um, a Swedish inventor, uh, Gustav something. Basically, he invented the plastic bag. Okay. And so he's like history's greatest monster. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like his, his whole thing was like, initially his intentions were pure because he was like, the thing about making the bags out of plastic instead of paper is that they'll last longer and can be reused. At which point all the supermarkets were like, we'll have a billion of them, please. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay, oh, I'm sad, but I'm very rich. So I guess it's fine. And so I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do for like a Swedish accent? Because the only sort of cultural reference point I've got for a Swedish accent is Swedish. It's, it's, it's ABBA or Swedish chef, right? <laughs> and like, I can't very well go on the CBBC, educate, inform, entertain. I can't very well go on that going, I mean, I did. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm ashamed of it, but I'm not talented enough to do the Swedish accent any sort of justice slash dignity. What I love this year as well is because we made so many amazing friends during this show. Is if I've got these people to come back and back again, like we've had Baz Black on again, and that friendship is just gained us some incredible experiences, especially for yourself the past few weeks. Braden Barry coming on with Micah to talk all about Dake and Tyke, that incredible fucking series, which if you haven't checked out, people, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, and you know, just, and if you check the interview, just go, watch, just go watch the interview first, just give you a bit of a taste and then go and find it on YouTube, but you won't be disappointed. Little nibbles of Dake and Tyke. We can't suggest it more. And even people like our very good friend, the hilarious stand-up comic Tom Stade. Three times this guy's been on this show. 
And as I've been looking at highlights this past week, I'm going, come on, Tom, we need to get you on for a fourth time, mate. I don't even know what we're going to talk to you about, but I just want to talk to you again. You're fucking brilliant. Amanda himself. Yeah, Tom's been a mainstay. He's been an absolute legend, very supportive of the show, as obviously has Baz Black and Braden. In regards to Baz, obviously, uh, if you listen to last week's episode, I jet-setted off to Dublin uh, to interview the cast and crew of the Dublin Crust movie, which will be out next year. Uh, um, we obviously will be releasing the vlog, just like the Bloodstock one, uh, out uh, early next year, so keep your eyes peeled for that little bad boy. But since you mentioned there's three wonderful humans, shall we have a look at their highlights? Go on, then. Mighty fine selection of wall art you've got back there, sir. Uh yes, yes. This uh, I would if if I were single, none of this would be on oh, my yeah. wall. <laughs> this is definitely put up there by people who know art. <laughs> I walk, I walk around the art place going. This is a Van Gogh, Tom. Do I own it? No. Don't care about it. (laughs) This took the artist five years to paint. Did it? Fucking hell, what a waste of time. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) I'm glad this this museum was donation only. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tom, thank you so hold much for coming again. Hold on, oh. hold on. Okay, yes. Do this. I got to do something for a second. Yeah, no worries. I'm pretty sure that's going to Trudy or somebody. Hold on, they've they've done something here. They need a code. <laughs> I got you, Trude. That was hilarious. The code you're looking for, Trude, is 710. We were talking about your art. Oh, no, don't say thanks. Five, two, three. Oh, I thought you said thanks. Not in a good way. <laughs> no, we've been laughing at it. You got ugly cat. Yeah, we got ugly cat up there. This is her in the background. That was her hand. I don't know if you've ever seen Trudy before. Hi, Yay, Trudy. Hey, we Get the fuck out of here, woman. The man cave, man. <laughs> This is where the penises hang out. Okay? <laughs> you don't need no tits and vagina here. I mean, hey, this is give us an hour of rest, okay? Filmed <laughs> yeah. it, and you know the the budget went from up here to here to here. You know, and we were calling in every favor and. Um, locations and we just didn't have the luxury of time it was pure indie filmmaking and but still trying to keep the quality up even though we were I mean I was I was doing two days straight no sleep no nothing just going like hell for letter Uh, um, (laughs) and the team and the crew were just like amazing like I honestly honestly could not have done it without them getting behind the project you know um because i mean most people would just turn around and tell you to fuck off like yeah. we were putting them through uh you know because it's it's my vision it's my you know my film and i'm i'm expecting everybody to match my enthusiasm and uh energy levels but like i mean they pretty they pretty much did um and it was a team effort we got across the line the community was amazing as regards locations letting us use different places um, but I mean, look, 
anybody I tell this to just either don't believe me or just are just like <laughs> you're just absolutely crazy. But we did 32 locations in seven days. Uh, and that was oh. just, that was across three different counties. So no way. <laughs> yeah, it was just absolute like I just I can't even explain how how crazy it was. But I mean, we have just literally finished the assembly edit and the assembly edit for anybody who doesn't know is basically us going through scene by scene. So each scene is edited how we want to, how we shape the film and um, with the script. Uh, and then we go back and we start adding in all the color. Yeah. Oh, did you have to hire the cafe out in episode two? Yeah, that's kind of a funny story. That, so that there's a place called Dave's Diner. Which was like right I li- lived down the street from it. Like I shot "Here's My Heart" video there, and like I, I knew the owner pretty well. And I'd just been going there, you know, through high school, so it was kind of just part of my life. So the new owner, um, he like knew about my music, and you know, just like kind of knew him. He's really nice. And I was like, "Hey, man, like you know, we have this thing project we're working on. Like, would it be okay if we filmed there?" And <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, sure, that's fine." So he like let us use it after hours. And so he, <clears throat> he was just in the back the whole time we were shooting that whole diner scene. And, uh, yeah, so we finished it. He never really saw what we were doing. <laughs> um, whenever it was done, I emailed it to him. I'm like, hey, man, like, because he was like, yeah, I want to see it. Like, show me and we'll repost it on our Facebook page. <laughs> so I emailed it to him and I was like, hey, man, thanks again. Here's the video. Never heard back from him to this day. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah, have people think that people wait 45 minutes for their food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, because I thought about that. I was like, did, you know, did this because we showed the Dave's Diner in the episode. So who was but, the who, knows, who was the other guy that was like the gentleman stand? <laughs> that was and you can buy real estate there, and people you can go to comedy clubs, you can go to. Uh, concerts, so some, so Snoop Dogg's getting his place, right? Yeah. So, like, like I know, like I called Snoop. I said, "Hey, Snoop, <laughs> you getting in on this fucking metaverse? Put the joint down. I'm trying to have a serious conversation. Did somebody say, just- <laughs> you're like the oh, fuck, Snoop?" <laughs> Change, man. You used to be cool. <laughs> you used to be cool. Now you started ordering McDonald's. <laughs> that was so fucking weird, though. And it's like all of a sudden, like, what? What? what wait, hang on. Isn't he like one of the biggest rappers in the world? Why yeah. is he doing a delivery advert in the because, UK? <laughs> oh, dude, can you imagine? Excuse me, my allergies are kicking in. <sighs> Can you imagine, like, Snoop Dogg, how much money they offered him to do that? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Bars. <laughs> oh. They're giving bars, not actual notes. Oh, dude. Like, I bet you. I bet he got more for that commercial than me, you, and Jamie, and our children, and our children's children <laughs> will make it a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Just to sit there and pretend someone's giving you a burger and see Just Eat at the end of it. Yeah. I want some money! Did somebody say, just cash? 
course, <laughs> man. So alongside, obviously, all the hilarity, comedy, and, and hijinks that we get to on this show, obviously, there's also this, the, the serious side of things, you know, where we actually come out of our comfort zone a little bit and talk about real subject matters, you know, with Jess Wilde, for example, um, and about men bit not being emotional, you know, we, we don't show emotion with men. Uh, Yuska and his battle with depression uh, is another massive one again. Yeah, there's been some insane moments of just real clarity and, you know, almost like deep, deep and thoughtful in a way, which is another side of the show that, you know, I love. Absolutely. But like, like you say, we, we like to have a laugh of our guests, but sometimes life isn't always funny and there is some serious matters to talk about. As you say, Yuskuni's mental health. We had a great conversation with friend of the show, Ori Kimball, about the work she did helping people that suffered in the hurricane over in New Orleans. And, you know, these serious conversations, people need to hear these stories as well, not just having a laugh, because as I said, life isn't always a laugh. There are some very serious topics to have. And as Tom said, sometimes it does put us out of our comfort zone. But then you talking about There's one specific moment as well, uh, which you will see in the next set of clips, which is when Jamie and Dane Campbell came together uh, and discussed body dysmorphia. And again, it's another moment where I was like, I'm just going to let these two, you know, hash it out because it's, it's quite beautiful to watch um so yeah how did you and you were quite proud of that conversation i was proud but i'm not gonna lie i watched you back earlier getting prepared for this and that was a tough rewatch i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah i'm not surprised but again yeah. that's you know the, the serious moments that they do with this show you know this is the beauty of how of doing this podcast is you know we don't have to have a laugh all the time yeah it's great but there are wonderful and beautiful moments such as these well when I mentioned that you're a special kind of person and you're a wonderful human, because I want people to know this, and this is why I want to bring it up. When Hur- after Hurricane Ida mm. hit New Orleans, you went out of your way to provide anyone and everyone you could with food, water, shelter, whatever you could do, you did it, and you were doing it for weeks on end. And I just want to commend you. I want to bow down to you. I want to just tell right now for a world to hear that that is un that's incredible absolutely amazing incredible um i don't mean to i'm so sorry to make you cry (laughs) i also had that written in my notes as well because it's incredible it really is not many people would have done that um it it wasn't just a case of like oh you know help the neighbor you literally were putting out social media posts you were asking people to help this that and the other you were supporting your neighbors you were trying to get food and water wherever you could get it from to wherever you need to get to just I I bow down to you. I bow down to you, Ori, because I think that's phenomenal. Thank you. Um, I am from New Orleans, so uh, and I also lived down in the lower parishes for a little while. And um, I, like it, it's already hard enough down there because there's no major cities. There's no major, you know. There's one way in and out um, down into uh, into uh, the lower parishes, and. Um, I know what life was like down there and the, the community down there is so close knit. Um, everybody knows everybody. Um, if you're helping somebody, you're helping somebody. If you're hurting somebody, you're hurting somebody. Uh, and uh, I saw what happened um, in my area and uh, I actually had to leave um, because my house was okay. I didn't have power, but I felt like I wasn't doing enough. Um, so I, I went a couple hours away where I had internet and power and I just, I spent two weeks, um, coordinating supplies in and out because I, I, I couldn't imagine 
what they were going through. I went through Hurricane Katrina, which also hit the Gulf South um, pretty hard. Um, I was lucky. Uh, I had friends who were in the military, so I got to stay on base. Um, But down in lower parishes, there wasn't anything. Uh, We tried to get in boats and we had people hauling, you know, trailers full of water and goods and tents and, and all kinds of stuff. And like the more I saw going in and it wasn't just me, it was a huge coordinated effort with so many people, um, uh, United Way, the Red Cross, uh, the Cajun Navy down here, which is a, a volunteer program who goes and like rescues people out of, you know, their houses and then they they bring in supplies. It was such a huge community effort and and global effort at this point to make sure that nobody was going without food or water or medicine or 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 emergency care. And I, I like I couldn't knowing I was okay. Watch somebody going through that. Uh, And it's hard um, being uh, the type of person I am, very caring person. I care about everybody. I don't want anybody to suffer. I don't want anybody to feel left out. I don't want anybody to be like, I can't have a chocolate bar. Yeah. <laughs> the video for Karma, we literally almost died because of smoke in, of smoke inhalation. We, it was really unsafe. We were in a very not uh, ventilated area with all the we had all the smoke going off and the fire, and then we had we had a, a, a like a heater that was like a, a propane heater. It was just like heating up this because it was like negative twenty degrees outside or some crazy shit. So then we were we were inside breathing in all this awful you know smoke and then to go get fresh air we'd have to go breathe in negative twenty degree air oh, no. <laughs> and that and that shoot was literally I think like a sixteen hour shoot like a twelve yeah. to sixteen hour shoot oh. it was fucking insane and we all I was like coughing up blood everybody else was coughing up like black I mean it was like we thought like we might would just fucking die to be honest yeah we'd have to go to the hospital but luckily yeah. everyone's symptoms went away after like a week. Yeah, we but, just, yeah, it was it was really bad. It was horrible. It was the worst one that we've ever done for sure. And then but when we all did, of our videos are like cold, or they're just like, oh, to get to the location, we gotta like track through the woods with the drum kit. Was, like, losing control was actually really smooth, and that was nice. Yeah, that, that was easy. That was a pretty easy one. The only thing was the the thing that he put around the because it was like a big track that he was like spinning around us. So that was like, the, there was a, a bit of setup there, but in terms of the conditions and stuff, that was really smooth. And then the don't go video was easy too. We just, that was probably yeah. the fastest, the fastest <laughs> shoot we've ever done. We just went in there and did a couple of run throughs of just like the performance shots and easy peasy. So who's on? Oh, sorry. So, sorry, Jade, the karma video then. Why did you carry on with it if it was fucking you over? I mean, we were down to like the last four takes when all of a sudden everyone started coughing and like, Oh, everyone's coughing. We're all like getting lightheaded. Like, but we have to get like these last two takes or four takes. We had to make two, it worth it. Yeah. We did two more takes and we're like, Nope, we're out of here. We can't even yeah. finish. Like there we were two more shots it. we wanted to get, but we're like, Nope, we got to pull the plug on this. This Damn. is too bad. The play we're talking about is it's a, it's a, it's a story only you can tell really. So she said, you know, it's from, You've written it about your personal experiences. But what made you actually want to write this as a play? Was this like a form of therapy for you? Um, You know, I I actually wrote about it when it was happening. I wrote um, email updates to family and friends. Just to let them know what was happening to our boy and and how we were, you know, 
navigating this new and and unbelievably uh, painful uh, experience. And and I started getting responses a couple of weeks into it from people that I didn't know, like from different parts of the world. Um, they would say, you know, my friend Don in North Carolina sent me this, and they were from Germany or wherever. And and I really just wanted you to know that I'm thinking about you, and I love this. Can you put me on your email? So I started to get responses, and so then I started writing more seriously, with with a different you know, like I was actually talking to a different audience. Mm. So after that, uh, the two years of going through this, um, I had uh, some material and um, um, Riyadh, my wife, uh, is the one who said, you know, don't, don't, uh, you need to tell, if you're going to tell this story, you need to tell it on stage as an actor, because that's what you do. You don't make a book out of it don't because people won't read it you'll be disappointed whatever tell tell them get them in a room stand up there and tell them this find a way to do that so she encouraged me to do that and um that's that's that was the genesis of it the confidence issues like i think it's nuts in 2022 that it's still a big thing but because you know people come in all different shapes and sizes and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but what do you what do you think it is that's still causing these issues today like in today's society still um i think that it really boils down to a few factors um for one a lot of us just aren't open about like our struggles so we see social media and we're seeing the highlights of everybody if we look at advertisement, we're seeing the best of everybody. So I think when everybody sees all that information and they digest it, we just are so easy to look at ourselves and be more critical. Um, and that's why for me, I try to make people feel comfortable right off of the bat by being honest about, you know, hey, I look like this in my videos or, hey, I struggle with this. Um, and I try to show those different things that while it makes me insecure, it makes it more relatable to the people watching me. So they realize that it's not that big of a deal. Um, Cause you don't, you don't know if whether or not somebody next to you has the same insecurity. So I just think us not having that open conversation and comparing ourselves to each other and everything online is really what allows that to continue to grow. Yeah. I was going to say though, I get the feeling a lot of it is caused by social media as, as good as social media can be for a lot of things. I mean that people comparing themselves to people on social media is probably the biggest thing. And I'm guilty of it. I'm sure every, everyone in this world is probably guilty of it at some point. Oh yeah. And like a more, a more like, I guess like out there um, point to say too, especially like when you look at things like pornography, for example, that is not the realistic body that most people are going to naturally have. It's not wrong to get things like plastic surgery or do procedures. Um, because for me, I make that be part of my message where you can embrace yourself, but also don't feel embarrassed to do things that you want to do for your body. But I think a lot of people also see that too. And they're like, uh, my boobs don't exactly stay up like that. Or my stomach does not do that. And that's also another really key aspect where it's like, again, that's the highlight. You're not seeing the rest of it. This could just be me making an assumption here, but do you find that 
men are less comfortable to talk about these things than women are? Yes, I think, well, it's, it's a tricky one. I think when it comes to toys, definitely, definitely. There's still a real stigma around guys using toys for themselves, um, with a partner, like uh, whether it's, I think guys getting toys for themselves still very much feel it's almost like it, instead of a, a partner or like, or can't, can't you get a girl is still kind of like a weird myth you know, that, that it's sort of only like lonely guys or whatever who have sex toys, which is, is just not true at all. Um, or that, you know, your, your partner's sex toy is competition with you, you know, and that it's, 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 they go to that when you haven't satisfied them or whatever the hell, which again is, you know, I'm pleased to see you guys shaking your heads is completely not true. You know, it's not the case. It's, it's your sidekick, not your competition, exactly. you know, and it's, that's the way, that it should be but you're absolutely right I think there is still generally speaking in wide sweeps here generally speaking guys are more sort of reticent to talk about real pleasure and exploration um which is it's it's a strange thing because there's there's sort of such a divide here you know when I I think in reality like guys can be a bit more forthcoming when it comes to you know, sliding into your DMs, for for example, or like, you know, reaching out in that way, or maybe making like the first move and things like this. But when it comes to the real reality of, you know, doing something to up your game, um, or, you know, that, that could take you to the next step, you know, then yeah, I think a lot of guys are nervous about this. And I wish I could get to the bottom of why I've got a few theories, but I just, I just, I feel like that is the proof of where my job is still necessary. Um, and, you know, it's when I read the comments on, on stuff that I post online, generally speaking, it's it's guys who want to make me shut up. Like they don't want me to talk about these topics. And I, I think it could be from a, a myriad of reasons. It's either they don't like an empowered woman or they don't like a lady talking about sex. Uh, they certainly don't like me talking about men's things because... I don't know. I, I need reminding that I don't have a penis, in fact, so I'm not allowed to talk about these subjects <laughs> because I know I, I need to remind them that I can, in fact, read. Um, and I can, you know, it's yeah. like it's a crazy thing. Um, yeah, so there, there's a lot of issues with this. And I, you know, I don't know if it's like an ego thing. I don't know. I don't know. I think no. you know, guys are socialized to almost believe that they're already sex gods. And that's it doesn't matter what topic you're talking on. If you already think you know it all, it's the most dangerous position you can put yourself in because you're never going to learn anything new. And that's on any subject, any subject. You always have to ha- be humble enough to realize, like I said earlier, you can't know it all. So, you know, things change all the time. And that's like I said, that's on any subject. As soon as you start thinking, you know, it all you've stopped growing, you've stopped learning and you've stuck yourself in a box, you know. So, yeah. I, th- I think I've, part of me thinks it is that whole macho I am man I don't need help sort of thing mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like it seems like it's socially acceptable it's perfectly fine for a woman to own a vibrator you go enjoy yourself love but if a man owns a sleeve or whatever that may be pervert fucking weirdo yeah <laughs> and I've experienced that firsthand like when I met my wife I had one of those toys and she was like the fuck is that what are you going for really? you know it's yeah, yeah. it's it seems to be that social difference, and I don't get why. 
I know it's it's such a strange divide and and to me it's, it's always baffled me as well because when you sort of rewind the clock back I'm sure we can all relate to sort of when you're in your teenage years it's it couldn't be more opposite it's you know I I remember in teenage years like the guys coming in and like they'd openly talk about having a wank and you know all the rest of it. And, it, and it was it was not a thing whereas you know girls like oh, oh fishy fingers or whatever like it was all this thing it was like it was completely it was it was wrong and bad it's it's almost like internalized slut shaming like you haven't even been with somebody else but you know women aren't allowed to do that thing you know at, at any age actually and then and then men are kind of or young guys are kind of you know celebrated for it and like oh yeah you've reached the next level yeah i was resolved but <laughs> I, I i remember uh the keyboard player of uh amorphis sunday uh after like eight, 18 years i went to play to die for again uh, 2011 or somewhere there and I had the skirt still on and Sander put under the picture a comment that like and the dance goes on (laughs) and I I already felt like okay the the player of Amorphis is like uh, putting a comment for me even I know Sander pretty well but it was so far away from being in like an active uh, high level uh, public rock and roll life that for me it felt like oh my god a celebrity is talking to me even if he's <laughs> some kind of like my friend <laughs> I love on it. daily basis yeah you gotta if you when you get a distance to be yourself there you start to see it a whole different way and that's a good thing because it's, it keeps you kind of like a humble to the whole fact that you were in it that you were you had the privilege to carry it. and it is still that I'm justifying myself you know to have that experience and it it helped a lot when I found myself because it was a burden. I didn't want to be ex-member all my life, but I just couldn't know how to handle with the fact that when do I talk about it? When is it okay to talk about it? When it came to conversation, sometimes then I see the reactions of the like my peer group, like age, the same age. Everyone knows him, almost everyone. So I see that bit of a change there like, okay you were in a him and uh i was thinking that like do i think that they think i was in a him and it started to be really messy and <clears throat> it took me approximately 13 or 14 years to recover from my departure so it was a long road and the youth work sort of was the closer in a way to that that I, I freely could talk about it to youngsters. So in between that, there was alcoholism. There was like I was trying to find the answer from <laughs> bulls, and you know that you can't find the answer from there. There were several years of deep depression, which I won again, and um, I was in a dark place, but like still there was a hidden hope and a spark of hope which never completely went down so i could ignite it bit by bit and like completely like a, kind of like build a new me because i was taken away from normal me and put into the like a what is this anyways a vortex of rock and roll weird star life and then i was prone to really really weird normal life which was kind of like all the 
money, which didn't make any difference. There wasn't money anymore. And then I read from the papers and Villa got something around 500,000 euros. And I was like, okay, nice. And that, everything was great. And uh, in the end, I won. <laughs> so, and uh, it's easy to say now that I'm, I'm privileged to have every kind of feelings. And even it was hardest when I didn't have any feelings, which is like my definition for depression, that kind of like you're kind of like a living corpse and life is about feelings. And when you don't have anything, then you just have to survive. And I got the feelings back and then this is like colorful. It's not like this. And uh... you could go in a time machine, go back to young Master Dane Campbell and give yourself one piece of advice. What would it be? That's a great question. Um, uh, to be honest, one thing that one thing that's like I've been that's been affecting my whole life, to be honest is the kind of weight, the weight thing. Um, and I'm very conscious about that and my upper body. And then even though I've lost weight since I was younger, I've still got, you know, excess stuff going on. Oh, I feel you, my friend. I that I'd rather not have. So it's difficult though, because I don't know, you know, I, I, I can't blame myself for a lot of it because I was literally an, an obese child. And like my, I ate the same as my brothers apparently. So I think it's a bit of genetics in there, bad, bad metabolism and all that stuff. But yeah, I guess some, if someone could have advised me to go out and play football more, or go out and play with my friends more, that might've helped that situation and, and not led me to have a childhood in most of my teenage years is like, being a fat kid um so i it's really honestly i've never really li- like like I, I go away now with my wife whatever i don't really like taking my top off and stuff I, I i'm really conscious whenever i do i don't i never walk around topless anyway and things like that it's really it really affected me and i was like maybe if if i was never big as a kid and i had a bit more of a normal body shape now not not that i would need to be muscly and but or buff or anything like that but just an average normal don't mind a bit of you know a little bit of a little belly but it's the more the, the upper part i'm more conscious yeah. of if you know what i mean um i don't know whether it's genes a bit um or you know but that some some form of advice which would have not allowed which, which have prevented me to grow up with that kind of body to be honest with you i think All that right. would be one thing I relate to you 100% yeah. to that one because yeah. I lost six stone a few years back. And, oh, yeah. wow. So, yeah, I completely looking, relate to that You're looking good, one. man. You're looking good. Thank you. So are oh, you. both of you are. Devil. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hidden a bit. In my, I just wear black all the time because, again, that's one reason why I literally just wear black all the time because it's it's, it's... it's the mental it's the mental aspect. Yeah, I think a lot, yeah. literally, I, and, uh, like... I, I, I'm convinced I don't, but like sometimes this, this like common themes with like body dysmorphia, mm-hmm. some people say, Oh, you look fine. Don't worry about it. You look amazing. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I look in the mirror and I literally just see two massive man boobs and a belly. And like people say they don't see it, but I'm like, well, I can literally see it. 
so other people can see it and I, I don't know but like <laughs> there's a fine line between that and like the body dysmorphia thing apparently but I don't know no. This is like talking to myself. I know exactly oh, cool. what you mean. I appreciate yep. it, man. It's not something I talk about a lot. You know, I'm open to talk about it with whoever, but um, it's definitely a thing and it's affected a lot of decisions in my life and and probably held me back to some degree. And and like, like for example, right, uh, New Year's Eve, a few years back, I went to Iceland, my wife, my brother, and a lot of his mates. And they're not small guys, you know, a lot of them are, definitely bigger than me and they did this thing fireworks went off at midnight tops off parties that's what they do take their tops off and i was like i'm not taking my top off but like there was definitely at least two guys three guys way bigger than me didn't care but i'm like i can't do it i just didn't i just filmed them but i the exact same yeah so it's it's, it affects people more than other people, I suppose. Um, some people are more comfortable in their body, but I'm definitely not comfortable no. in mine. <laughs> Even though I've worked hard trying, like like Tom, when you said you were you used to go to the gym a lot, I did as well. Um, I got I was going, you know, three four times a week. I with the intention of toning up a bit and doing the kind of you know I was following the body coach all that stuff. I was getting well into that high intensity interval training. It all it did work to be fair, really, really good. I did lo- I lost a few stone doing it, but I just kept going, kept going. I wasn't seeing any results really after I shed the initial weight. Yeah, and uh, um, and then I kind of injured my shoulder, which kind of scared me because I'm like, well, I got to look after this shoulder because I needed to play drums. And I never really went back to the gym. I got like a few things in the house I can do, and I'm yeah. more careful. But I haven't gone back to a gym since then. Um. But I feel like, well, I've managed to keep keep my body shape the same by not going to the gym. I haven't got any worse. So I kind of, and I, I never felt comfortable there really because I'm like, you know, I was this little, you know, it's weird when you, when I'm there, I feel small, but I still feel conscious of my, you know, my upper body, especially when I'm in a running machine and all this stuff. And you're conscious of people looking at you and and, and stuff like that. It's a weird thing. Mm, weird. Don't don't get me started about going swimming. That, that doesn't happen. Even though I know it's really good for me, I just wouldn't do it because I can't do it. It's painful how much I relate to you right now. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Yeah, well, if you ever want to chat about uh, this, you know, you know what I am. Absolutely. Yeah, if you were, you know, if you wanna, yeah, or, or anyone else, you know, if they relate to what we're saying, because I think it's definitely not a thing I talk about with with many people. And um, I think maybe if more people uh, relate to each other and realize actually it's not the end of the world, it might give us a bit yeah. more confidence as a group that like, like my wife says, no one's looking at you. I'm like, but they are. One thing I've absolutely loved from this past year is the amount of times we have laughed so hard. It's almost brought tears to our eyes. Like some of these incredible stories we're hearing from people and for people we never thought we'd talk to. Like if you'd asked me in 2021, if I thought in 2022, I'd have a conversation with Chesney Hawks about being on a cherry picker, being worshipped by Coolio. I quite <laughs> frankly would say no. I never thought that would happen in my life. But it did. You know, it's just been some hilarious moments. 
it's 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 almost it's great moments really it's moments where you're sitting there and you're like i can't believe that i'm being i'm a part of history i'm being a part of something that i'm taking out to the world and going we're leaving a lasting legacy here you know rico ross for example that his school was called plantation like <laughs> what I, i'm sorry i'm sorry rico can you say that again <laughs> That, do you know what I mean? There's moments that really make you go like, holy fuck. There's moments like that you take away more than the reason you wanted to speak to this person in the first place. It was like, Rico Ross is in Aliens. Fuck yeah. Did I take away alien stories? Of course I did. But what did I take away most? The fact he went to a school called Plantation and has 11 siblings. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, another absolute great classic was when we got to speak to the amazing Nell Campbell from the uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. And... I don't think she ever got off the soapbox. No, no. I, I don't think. I think she's still there now. <laughs> there is a possibility that she's still there now, talking about things. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Enjoying her Vegemite on toast. What a. This, this is what I mean. Just like mental, mental moments in life where you go, I can't believe. Like, we're literally leaving a diary. We pretty much are. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to have a little peek? Have a little look at these uh, these bad boys? Oh, go on. Press play. Roll it. But I mean, you, you, you're, a, you're a dab hand in loads of other things, though, though Chesney. You've been worshipped on Big Brother. You've cooked, on, you've cooked on MasterChef. You were meant to do uh, a bit of dancing on ice, but uh, you had a certain instant that, you know, is there anything that you actually can't do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure there's loads. I can't fix boats. My, my, I'm, uh, looking out, I'm looking out the window here, these two guys fixing my dad's boat. And uh, yeah, that, that's not something I could do. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. These days when you're a celebrity, I say that in inverted commas, um, you, you're, you're, you do anything but what you became famous for, you know. So as, as you say, I'm like Master Chef. Like, you know, I, I started my like reality tv stuff i did the a show called the games where i was like training to be uh you know olympic athlete and it was mad i was like what? i know i was like i was 10 meter diving that was mad I was, that was crazy water ski jumping i did that yeah uh as you say dancing i always get injured i injured myself doing the games i ripped all the cartilage out of oh. my hip yeah so i yeah i've set myself up for future uh you know <laughs> problems there <laughs> And uh, broke I broke my leg doing like dancing on ice and and uh, like really injured my ankle like another you know ligaments snapped and all that kind of shit. Oh. And so you know my wife's like right you're not doing any reality TV show anymore that's it. <laughs> no, especially especially anything where you have to actually you know run around or do stuff like that's why she let me do Master Chef. I said well I could have cut my finger off. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I remember standing next to Tom from The Wanted because he was in the MasterChef when I did it. Uh, God rest his soul, by the way. He, he yeah. passed away recently. Yeah. I was so sad to see that. Yeah. Um, same with same with Sarah Harding. She was with us as well on that on that show. It's, it's just awful. Anyway, I'll go I'll digress. So it, we were doing this a baking challenge, and he put his bloody hand inside the friggin' blender chopped his bloody finger nearly off yeah so Ooh. so I, I know so maybe it's me because i was standing right near it when he did it you know i mean so yeah so i've been banned i've been banned so sorry ant and deck you, you know i'm not eating kangaroo anus for anyone <laughs> <laughs> wait till the announcement later this year in the jungle chesney hawks ah 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I say yeah. no. no I am always up for a challenge, so I never say never, yeah. So, no, Antidec, if you are listening, yeah, you, I, 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 you know my number, you know my digits. <laughs> you must have had some bizarre requests over the years for little things like that, especially like with the Big Brother thing and whatnot. Oh, that was weird. As you say, being worshipped by uh, Latoya Jackson and Coolio and <laughs> Terry, Terry Christian. No. <laughs> For those of you, your listeners that don't know what the hell we're talking about, I, there, there was a Big Brother about 10 years ago or so uh, where they used the one and only in a challenge. And every time the, the song came on really loud, apparently, and it came on like in the middle of the night when they were asleep at three in the morning <laughs> and stuff like that, they had to, they must have fucking hated me. They had to <laughs> get, stop what they were doing or get up and just go into the garden and they had to worship at, at a weird shrine that they'd made with my face on it and they were all like you know getting down on their knees and like praying and stuff it was so weird and they did that for a whole week and then at the end of that week they asked if i would come down to Bora wood to where they were filming it uh, and i said well, what do you need me to do and they we want you <laughs> i can't even know i'm saying this we want you in a cherry picker crane to be like raised above the garden while the one and only is playing. <laughs> and then I, I just kind of like, I don't know, I looked down at my subjects or something. <laughs> and, I looked, and that's what happened. They, they raised me up again, above the, the, the uh, garden. And then I looked down and there's Latoya Jackson, uh, there's Coolio, there's Terry Christian, uh, uh, Tina Malone. I can't remember who else was there. And they were all literally like worshipping me and going, Chesney! I was like, okay. I don't think my life could get any more surreal than this. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine that initial call to be like, you what now? You want me what? to what? Where, where, where? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what flavour does that? What flavour? Pickled onion. You I do like fucking fl- hero. I do like Flaming Hot, though. Flaming Hot are, are a good shout. But uh, yeah, Pickled Onion, Pickled. Yeah. I mean, Flaming Hot's not really a breakfast food, though, is it? So... No, no. Well, unless you, you know, you're ready to start the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> abruptly. <laughs> Flaming up Monster Munch and a monster. I'm on the way. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Fly through the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Coronation Street mug as well. Fuck it. Oh, we yeah. are on fire today. <laughs> I'd like to say this is my mum's, but it's not. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See? Curry. Love a bit. First, yeah. 20, first 20 minutes, gold. Exactly, exactly. Good job we hit record. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I can't say I agree with on the curry front, though. Soaps have never... And also, what really annoys me about soaps is that they have that person on this morning that then reveals everything that's going to happen to soaps anyway. So what's the fucking point of watching it? Yeah, and the magazines do as well. Like, the mm. magazines yeah. will just be like, car crash terror. And you're just like, right, okay. <laughs> I wanted to find that out myself. Yeah, it's so um, weird. No other TV series has a has a guru that goes on other people's shows and goes, so we send this. This person dies, this is going to happen. In about four years, this is going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mad. I, I, it kind of, it's, it's ridiculous. So like, as a, like as a metal frontman, or anyone in metal, I shouldn't admit to watching Coronation Street, but I do. I can't lie. Like, I watched Coronation Street with my mum because it's kind of the one thing we watch together, as sad as it is. <laughs> so it's kind of like a bonding experience. <laughs> oh, that's, that's lush. Do you know what they, yeah. should, they should do? They should do soap crossovers. They never yeah, do that I, way. 
No, I think they should. I think that'd be like like multiverse of madness. (laughs) (laughs) Ken Barlow versus Phil Mitchell or something. It's like like one of our songs. (laughs) Just wrote a new song. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, no. In Corrie, the the sheep's escaped. It's all right. Someone from the, I don't know, wool pack has arrived to save our... (laughs) Because they live on farm. I I don't watch so I've not I, you know, never mind. Do you know what? Yeah. So, I think we should just get one of the interview, don't you? <laughs> I, I mean I if, if the interview's about if the interview was solely about soaps, uh Coronation Street in particular, I'd be fine. I'd be quite happy with that. But yeah, we we're more we can get on with it as well. Let me just take my East Enders questions up. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to you about it, Sam. Is we've spoken to people with drug and alcohol addictions and everything like this, but we've never spoken to anyone with a soft drink addiction. Right. You and yes. Pepsi. Oh, there it is that. right there. Yeah. What, I, I was saving this until it was there. <laughs> I love how you knew it was coming up. Because it's something we've got to talk about. How bad was this Pepsi addiction? <laughs> um, well, so here's the thing. Um, I didn't realise how bad it was until I needed to stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So... I love Pepsi Max, and for the occasion, I'm drinking the uh, the real shit. You know, the kind of fully caffeinated Pepsi Max, um, which I I try to avoid these days. There is now Pepsi Max caffeine free. Um, there was an episode of the podcast where I revealed that and that I was drinking that, and it, that was a, like a big turning point. I was back on the Max <laughs> without the caffeine. So I think the the, the situation was, um, I was I was drinking a lot of Pepsi Max. Um, throughout my teens and 20s um and i didn't really put two and two together that i wasn't sleeping very well for most of that time right i was i couldn't really get to sleep at night and actually in a way in a way i've never thought about this before until this very moment in a way that kind of helped me get into the zone of podcasting because the thing that would put me to sleep would be listening to old episodes of podcasts that i loved um on my ipod uh, so, like, uh, you know, the the Ricky Gervais stuff, the Adam and Joe, mm. um, it was uh, Russell Howard's Six Music thing and with John Richardson back in the day. Uh, loads of podcasts that I loved. Um, I would just listen to those in order to fall asleep. That would be my, like, strategy. I'd wake up in a tangle of uh, iPod headphones every morning. But the reason why I wasn't sleeping, uh, mostly, was because I was getting through so much caffeine via pepsi max uh now you might think compared to like coffee the amount of caffeine in pepsi max is kind of negligible but i was guzzling that like it was water um and i would have like pepsi max by the bed for the morning um if you want like a an indication of how uh tricky things got like at uni like i would go to bed with like a full glass of pepsi max by the bed so that in the morning I could have a little swig of Pepsi Max to get me to get me out of bed. I, I didn't think about what was going on at the time. That seemed fine. And then it was through again, through like talking to Kevin about it and him kind of noticing how much I was drinking, that it became this kind of, you know, ongoing goof. Um and so I didn't really see a problem with it. I just loved Pepsi Max. And it, it is the best uh cola. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know if you you guys have any cola views. Um, you know, any any favourites? It is uh, Pepsi. I do prefer Pepsi over. Yeah, Coke. and I really like the new Pepsi 
Max Cherry and the Raspberry one. Mm. Okay. I'm a yeah. fan of those. You're a flavour guy. Sure, I'm a flavour sure. guy. I'm definitely a flavour guy. <laughs> Coke car away from me. I'm a Coke man. I have been. Always will be. Believe it. I, um, I grew up in Chicago and my father um, moved out of Chicago because there was a lot of gang violence. And when he, you know, when you have six boys and five girls, you know, it, it could be dangerous. And so he moved kids. us out to 11 kids, man, 11 kids. So he moved us out to the country. And for my ninth birthday, we're very, we're very, uh, very poor, man. But for my ninth birthday, my father, for some reason, brought home a horse and a little Shetland pony. And I, me and that pony, man, we would, would ride like the wind. And so I thought the first thing that I really wanted to be was a jockey. <laughs> I, I didn't realize I'd grow to be 6'3", you know, and I didn't know the jockeys had to be small. But I was like, I, me and that horse, man, we caught the wind like nobody's business. And, and, and my father, he couldn't afford a, a saddle, so he just, had, he just brought me the horse. So I learned to ride bareback. And no uh, way. you learn to ride bareback, you know how to ride. So I, the first thing I ever wanted to be was I wanted to be a jockey or, or a rodeo, uh, some kind of rodeo star. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Rico. I did not see it going that way. <laughs> I did not see I that coming at all. <laughs> I don't know what I'm more shocked by the answer or 11 kids. Both are blowing my mind. <laughs> Dad, yes, I said, and as I said, a matter of fact, I, I thought that when I grew up, I because I really enjoyed having a big family, man. And so when I grew up, I thought I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a big family too. And I had two kids, and I was like, oh hell no, this is expensive <laughs> and and it's hard. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where did acting come from then? Was this you chasing a passion or something that just sort of happened? No, I mean, you hear this phrase a lot that, you know, people, sometimes people say, I, I didn't choose it, it chose me. Uh, it was kind of that way for me too. I, um, I went to a school and, uh, <laughs> and my father uh, and mother split up and then we, we left Illinois and we moved uh, to Florida and we moved to this, to this area called, um, believe it or not, um, well, we, we moved to Fort Lauderdale, but but at that time they were busing people, so they bused me to a school called Plantation. And coming no. from, dude, I'm telling you the truth, a school called Plantation—that oh. was the name of the plant—and I didn't want to move to the South anyway. And then to go to a school called Plantation it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't uh, it wasn't high on my list. No, that- <laughs> <laughs> I am telling you the God's honest truth. And so I get to the school and they said, well, this is the school you're going to be at uh, for six months while the other school is going to be completed. It's a new school. So we would go in the afternoon and, and, and their student body would go in the morning. But the problem with me is I come from a large family. I'm not good at standing still. I'm, I'm kind of like a, a mischievous kid. And so uh, I would always try and sneak in to, to the school before they would allow us in. And this one lady, uh, she saw me and she wouldn't let me sneak in. And then she let a little girl uh, go back because the little girl had left her book. And then I went to this lady and I just put on the, I put on an Oscar performance and I got so <laughs> upset that I had tears running down my eyes. I said, so you let her in, but you wouldn't let me in. And the girl, the, the little girl had a real reason to go in and the, the teacher knew I was lying, but she also knew that this guy's a pretty good actor. And she <laughs> told me, she says, she says, you're not going in, but what you are going to do is you're going to be in my when I was in bad education. I was not a child. Well, I suppose, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was at university. (laughs) I was drunk for most of it. (laughs) That's why they hired you, wasn't it? (laughs) That's it. Oh, Christ.
He's coming, stinking of alcohol again. <laughs> Better just give him, just give, just give him the role. Just give him, him the, the role. Cupboard, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, just, give he looks good like he's going in there. That's perfect for the character. <laughs> <laughs> Or after, uh, but to, to, to your more substantive point, um, uh, so I, I love telling this story. This is not the first time I've told this story, so this is not a scoop, but it is fun to say. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the thing I like saying. Uh, so when I was a kid, I grew up um, uh, with a mother who was a, a very proud reader. So I did a lot of reading. My reading comprehension was very good because I was always around books and like you know being read to, reading when I could and everything like that. I still, still to this day, I love reading. Um, so my reading comprehension was very good. And I decided uh, when I started uh, primary school, I was like, right. I went up to my mother and I said, right, I'm going to be an author. And she said, OK, OK. Um, thing is, though, like it takes a little while for authors to get going. So you're probably going to need a backup plan uh, in place just in case things don't work out. And, you know, with youthful bravado, I was like, ha, no, I won't. <laughs> anyway, I get to secondary school. And um, I start studying drama on the curriculum. So I comes back home and I go, Mum, I have decided I no longer want to be an author. I want to be an actor. And she said, OK, so it's quite difficult to break into the acting industry. So you're probably <laughs> going to want some kind of backup job uh, to go along with that. But I proved all the haters and the doubters wrong by, <laughs> by, by getting a, a role in bad education when I was at university and then coasting on that for seven years until I had to stop because the work dried up and so I had to get a real job for a bit so <laughs> she was right as she always is <laughs> well she wasn't she wasn't <laughs> well I mean you know I, I, I could say I mean as the sort of the weeks turned to the months turned into what ended up being a full year out of out of acting work there was a sort of thing in the back of my head was ah well I, I have been a professional actor uh, but, but, but no more <laughs> Now I am a professional pizza delivery man. <laughs> with it's like of becoming the local regional manager. <laughs> this is just me and my imagination running away from myself. You're doing all these different videos with different toys and whatnot. And I'm thinking, most people have like a toy drawer. She must have like a toy chest of drawers from doing all these reviews. Yeah, I have. That a face says it all. <laughs> yeah, my, my flat is, like, I'm blind to it now. And I mean, my mum is quite used to like, I've had this job for a while now. So she's not, but even she'll come around now and be like, God, Jess, there's just penises everywhere. Like, <laughs> what is going on? You know, like, so, but they, they kind of, they double up because so my bathroom, I've got like butt plugs stuck to the wall and they've got my little radio hung off it and like my, my scrunchies and stuff. And, like, so one's a door stop. I think I've got like some artwork hung up with like chained nipple clamps, you know, it's like, it all gets used, you know? It's all, but yeah, it's 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 becoming problematic. I need I need I need some way of organizing it, and I actually honestly don't know how to do it at this stage because it's got ridiculous. And people will send me stuff all the time, which I love. You know, it's great because I always need the latest thing to 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 have as a prop. And I'm I'm also really bad at getting rid of stuff. So it's just like it's a, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Every single room has got like oh it's whenever I like you know if I have to have an engineer come out or a landlord you know and I'm, I'm usually happy I'm like, oh you know you've got a key don't you know just go on in just don't break your neck on a penis for Christ's sake <laughs> <laughs> because there's just dildos everywhere it's ridiculous but such is life <laughs> right. I mean you know obviously that's 
when you they occasionally do bite surfers, but they usually bite them and then dis, you know they get banged on it. They disappear. They don't want to eat. They don't like. I don't. Not quite sure what the equivalent. I don't know. It would be like you know. Do you want to eat a hedgehog? No. Oh. You know? I mistook I mistook that hedgehog for a roast chicken, but then once I did, I know that not interested. But meanwhile, you've been maimed for life. So, but if there was enough hedgehog food out there, I mean, whatever. No, sorry. If there was enough chick, da da da, you get my drift. Yeah. So I'm no, sorry. and people that are scared. But when when Steven Spielberg's film Jaws came out. You cannot believe how that affected Australian swimmers. Everyone would swim in a sort of straight line. No one wanted to be the furthest one out in the beach, <laughs> in the water. It's like if a shark was coming in, it doesn't actually go for the, which is the furthest one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, oh. enough about that. Am I live, gentlemen? Can you hear me? Am I live? <laughs> you are here. Yeah, oh, good. Let me turn it down so I can hear you guys. <laughs> What's up, gentlemen? Chronicle the podcast with Jason Page. How are you? That's probably the greatest entrance to Zoom in the history of Zoom entrances ever. <laughs> <laughs> like that. My biggest takeaway from 2022 is our work we've done with these guys. I think we have done some incredible work this year. I'm going to toot our horn. And I think we've done phenomenal work. You know, we've raised just slightly under £2,000 for these guys this year. For an indie podcast who have got that drive and determination, I think that's damn good going. We've done some incredible work this year. It started off at the start of the year with the Chronicles of Podcast live. And we, we hosted a gig, Tom. Me and you, we hosted a gig. How insane is that? Yeah, it was pretty mental. I mean... Things are trialed. Some things didn't go how we wanted them to, and some things are great, like Jamie shitting himself at the beginning and then becoming the master fucking MC at the end. Like Tom trying to play something down the phone into a microphone. Of course, it's not going to fucking work. There was just loads of moments where it's like, oh well. But still, Death is a Girl, Neptune Rain, Second Cities, and the Mighty Wraith just absolutely blew the fucking roof off Scruffies, and it was what a night. And a massive thank you to Adam Lancaster for coming down and chatting to the folks as well. It was just phenomenal. Like the fact that Adam came all the way down there as well and spoke to the crowd and talked about his mom who had just recently passed. It was not long after losing Silver that we did the gig. And you know, like you say, the four bands absolutely blew everyone away. I've not stopped listening to those bands since we did that gig. They're absolutely phenomenal bands. And that, that was another part of it that I absolutely loved. We got to bring people's attention to these bands. Like we interviewed every single band before the show as well. And yeah, just Absolutely incredible work, and I can't. I still to this day, it's a pinch myself moment to think we actually pulled that off. It is incredible. But obviously, I sold cakes in my previous job to the city, the streets of Cardiff, whereas you cycled fucking miles from Birmingham to the park where the unfortunate incident took place. 
Jamie, I tip my hat, toot your own horn. You did an unbelievable job. You cycled 13 hours or whatever, at least around that, you know, across I genuinely like a can't think of how long country. it took me. I remember it was 116 miles on Google Maps when I first set off. I'm pretty I sure it was 13 hours or so. And I think it took me about 13 hours, yeah. And- right. 5.58. Sorry, 5.38 a.m. Literally just left the house, setting up the maps. There you go, setting them up, ready to go. Let's do this. Yay! <laughs> well done, son. <laughs> I'm, I still right now, again, it's a pinch of moment to think I actually achieved that. Because I'm not known for my fitness. Hell, a couple of years ago, I, I'm surprised I even fit on a bike. I was a big dude. And the fact that I managed to pull this off, I'm actually pretty fucking chuffed at myself and the fact it was a it was one of those life affirming moments going to that park and seeing where this horrible thing happened and why we spread that message every single fucking week to show how important that message is you know that people shouldn't be treated differently simply because of the music they listen to the way they dress you know, and what made it weirder to me was how beautiful and idyllic that park was. I had no idea. You say park to me, probably because I'm a brummy, I automatically think shithole covered in graffiti, like skate park. The seats have been stolen off the swings and all that sort of stuff. But it was absolutely gorgeous. Flower gardens there and everything like that. And I think something so horrible happened there. And, you know, it was it's it was like i say it was just a life-affirming moment and to get there and to be surprised by my wife my mom my daughter adam himself met me there and yeah it was just absolutely incredible what a, what a day that was and it's bloody hot and all yeah. super proud of you but of course i think the biggest highlight for us this year had a massive massive shout out and thank you to adam gregory for obviously arranging and sort of that was that we got to attend the bloodstock festival we got to attend the Bloodstock Festival, work alongside the foundation. We got to meet the entire foundation and work in their beautiful gazebo stall, which kept us out of the 35 degree heat every day. Thank you so much for that, guys. Uh, and we got to interview some phenomenal people who have speaks to so many bands. Highlight for me, Danny P. Carter of Radio One um, and Daniel Winterbates of Bury Tomorrow were two uh, I, I, proper highlight moments for me. Um, from that from that festival, but also meeting the wonderful people that attend the Bloodstock Festival as well. It's your boy TS and Jamie, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. The Chronicles of Bloodstock 2022. The Law Commission were asked to look at the hate crime strands, and that is the actual monitored strands of hate crime, which there are currently five. Um, and one of the strands they looked at adding was alternative subculture. And since Sophie was murdered, Sylvia was absolutely determined that that should be added as a monitored strand. Because that means if anyone's in need, if they've been attacked, if they've got a problem and they ring the police, it's recognised, they know what it is. If things are tried then as a hate crime, victims get more support. And it also obviously means we're monitoring what goes on. We can put resources where they're needed. So it really, really matters. For a long, long time, like we, we are marginalised, while some of it is partly that we... We want to be different and we want to be out there and that's kind of when we're younger we do that but actually everyone's right is to, to be different and everyone's right is to be able to walk this earth and for fear of any kind of prejudice or, or discrimination or aggression as, as what happened and violence is what happened. The fact that I was alternative and into all that sort of stuff and had longer hair and it, it didn't go down too well. It's like I, I mean I, I had one experience where um, 
I had about it was about a group of 20 people I was, I was out with a load of friends um, and I had, I had 20 people thereabouts uh, approach me and confronted me about the way I looked and I was with, I was with a couple of friends at the time um, and, and one of them grabbed me in a headlock and, and started hitting me in the stomach um, they were they were saying things to do with obviously the way I looked and, and the things I was into they were people that I was in school with they were in my school year yeah it was great like you said those two highlights definitely Harry Jennings from Defects was a highlight for yeah. me lovely lovely guy um, yeah just speaking to the people of Bloodstock it was heartbreaking and yet amazing to hear how many people have been treated this way and like the fact that they just spoke to us two, two complete strangers who walk up to the microphone and go, tell me about the time you were bullied, you know, and they told them those stories and it was heartbreaking. The things we were hearing, there was a young girl we spoke to who was still in school. And the, the fact that it's still happening in schools these days. Yeah. It's, it's horrible to hear, but it's further proof to the pudding, as they say, that something needs to change because it's still happening. Not just when it happened to Sophie, not back way back in the day when it was all prolific and with the moshers and the gribos and whatnot when we were kids. But now, still to this day, it's still fucking happening and it needs to bloody stop. Come on. Jamie, I could not agree more with you. And uh, we look forward to all the big events and everything we'll be doing in 2023. So keep your eyes peeled, loves. Shall we have a little peruse at the old highlights, Jamie? Oh, go on then. I mean, it's it's just always been a story that I've sort of, I think relates probably the wrong word because I, I've, I've sort of growing up, I was always more of a nerdy kid. kid so it was, you know, you, you get back in the day with all the cliques and things, you don't, you all get bullied in, in different ways for different things. But um, I think it was just the, the feeling of just relating to outcasts um, and people who are a bit different is I think that's the reason why the Sophie Lancaster story really sort of transcends different people and and you know different groups of people and just kind of brings people together and um certainly recently with with Sylvia's death I think it's just it's become almost been brought back into the light because obviously she was she was pushing um to sort of bring it back and I don't think anyone really saw that coming um it was uh yeah that was I was I mean I was literally listening to her on I think it was the Jeremy Vine show about a week before that all sort of broke and yeah it was tough, but it's yeah, it's definitely been a story that I've always sort of connected with a, um, a little bit just because a lot of my friends were kind of in that position and were bullied at school. And um, and just being a rocker as well, like into that kind of genre of music, it's just like, why why is that a problem? Just if, if you listen to different music and just dress a different way, it's yeah, it's 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 such a sad story, but it's so important because it does just. It, it sort of serves as a case study and just keeps it in people's minds that, you know, people people are like that um, and do go out and just attack people for whether it's race or gender or whatever. It's, it's always an issue. So it's worth bringing up. When the unfortunate and terrific, horrific, excuse me, event happened, I was still kind of into early days of me getting into the music scene and it was in like all Metal Hammer and Kerrang and stuff. And to hear about that and to see that, like in your face, it was a shock to the system yeah. that things like that could even exist in this world. But through this adversity, something positive can come where people can 
stand together. And I, I will, I don't want to sound cheesy, I will stand on a soapbox for this because it does mean a lot. There's a lot of people out there who don't, who are outcast, who are socially awkward, et cetera, et cetera, who are different. It happens. But uh, know they have a platform where they can come together and feel accepted and feel they've made friends and um, allies and people who's going to listen to them. That's beautiful. And this, this is good. It's good that people can have this outlet where they can scream and shout and make some noise and be heard. And hopefully more people will know and jump on this and be involved. I mean, for example, like a Bloodstock, I've been going to Bloodstock from the very last indoor show, which is like 2008. I'm going to be really cheesy. I've got my ticket stub up here. If you can probably see that. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, uh, yeah. Probably 2006. That was like one of my first major festivals till obviously all the years, which they've continued <laughs> to support this. And this is what it's all about. Metal support. I grew up in a household which was wonderful and supportive, but there was God bashers. And I don't want to say it in a negative way. It's good to love the belief you have. But in the community of metal, I have met people who have appreciated and supported me, befriended me, looked after me, taught me things spent time with me and just generally enjoyed being in my company. I've enjoyed being with them. I've never, ever felt this connection anywhere else. And I've been to a few festivals, guys. I've been to Kraken, I've been to Bloodstock, I've been to Download, I've been to Hellfest. And you will feel the same love and appreciation and connection because, yeah, you're always going to get bad eggs. That happens. And I'm sorry to waffle on, but this does mean a lot to me. You can feel... You can feel the camaraderie, and that is something that will never, ever be taken away, ever. And finally, hopefully you're still with us and you've been enjoying all these clips so far. Finally, I want to give a huge shout-out to Jasmine from the Noise Cartel. The Noise Cartel themselves well, have just been absolutely amazing to us this year, giving us bands, delivering on the interviews after they lovingly let us speak to some people at the Bloodstock Festival, as you just previously saw um obviously we got to sit down with defects with tony and harry from defects and one of the probably one of the greatest interviews we've done this year that was a very very special moment that was that interview it's a highlight um, for me that interview i hope everyone went to watch them live i hope you got to enjoy wheels on the bus um it is your fjord the icelandic duo with their beautiful sounding album that they made in a week incredible that interview was all sorts of amazing especially when you tried to pronounce icelandic words oh um, yeah, that was just an absolute highlight. Um, and, of course, She Must Burn and Jet Ski. So uh, we look forward to working with the guys again in 2023. Um, but, yeah, some absolute blinding interviews in those. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, that defects one, that is top tier. One of my favourite interviews we've ever done. But, again, with this, it's learning about new bands. This is where we build this yeah. reputation and they go, hey, we've this, we've got this band. They're looking for interviews. Would you like to talk to these guys? And we listen to them and go, fuck yeah, I want to talk to them. Jet ski, my God, if I yeah. if I just want to have a boogie, <laughs> they're going on. <laughs> they're absolutely amazing. She Must Burn, I love that album. I was like, how have I never heard this before? That, yeah, absolutely. And Isiafjord, like you said, it's beautiful, beautiful songs, which I can't stop singing. I'm getting the words completely fucking wrong. <laughs> but I enjoy singing. <laughs> 
You started you mean to go on, AJ? Precisely. With your Precisely. with your Icelandic. Get on Duolingo. Get, get yourself yes, sorted. That's what we'll do. <laughs> Next time we get one problem too. Um Jasmine, thank you so much for being such an absolute legend uh and for obviously setting these interviews up. Uh, and to your company, The Noise Cartel, we have loved working with them so much and we look forward to working with you again next year. Um, and go, well, let's, Jamie, throw up some highlights. Oh, go on then, here you go. Excellent. <laughs> but before I do my intro, uh, we've already said this to Ragnar. I'm going to apologise now for my pronunciations. I'm a simple Englishman. I'm not, I'm not up to date with my, my uh, Icelandic pronunciations, but we'll try, we'll try. <laughs> You're forgiven already. Yes. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, this week we bring you another incredible band that, quite frankly, we think you should be listening to. Today's guests are an Icelandic duo who create music I have seen described as sculptured, beautiful and desolate pop, as bright and dark as the subarctic seasons. They are releasing their brand new album, Hjartaskiaki, tomorrow as we record this. This week, brilliant, we welcome the mate, wonderful brilliant. Adi and Ragnar, because these are the chronicles of Isafjord. Nice. <laughs> How bad? How bad did I do? I'll say uh, nine out of ten. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Even I enjoyed that. I didn't know if you got it right or not. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was shitting oh. myself all the way up to that album title. I was like, come on, you can do it, Jamie. You can do it. <laughs> Uh, misery eternal up in lincolnshire um and we went to this place that was just this this like derelict like building uh like if there was a i'm not a, like a, a person that believes in like ghosts and spirits and stuff but if if anywhere was going to have ghost spirits and demons it was going to be that place um because it had underground tunnels and stuff where um like that led to like chapel like used to lead to like chapels so like they used to have churches in Lincolnshire that are all linked together with these underground tunnels so that they wow. could move between the churches without going over land when they're carrying like valuables or when they're escaping, you know, raids or whatever the case may be, or even just doing their like sermons and stuff. It's just a safe passage to get from one place to the other. And uh, the building had practically fall- fallen to pieces, but these tunnels were still completely intact. And you could go down and you could walk, walk down these tunnels for like 10 minutes and you wouldn't be able to see in either direction or how far left there is. It was, it was, it was like horrible. In fact, you can see some of the, in that level, you can see some of the rooms that we went into down there in both eulogy and misery eternal. Cause we, we filmed a lot of the videos in this, a uh, lot of those two videos in different parts of the buildings. Cause it's like the grounds is huge. Um, so we could just go from one side of the building and film a bit here and then go to the other side of the building and film a bit there. Um, and you wouldn't really be able to tell they're the same place. But we filmed the scenes of eulogy where Vallis and Carl uh, were singing into the mirror. We filmed it in a, in the chapel underground. And there's actually a scene um, in that, in that uh, video where it's actually made it into the video as well, where we set the lights up and we took a step back and let the light just be on Vallis, <clears throat> and then Sean, who Sean Hodson, who's who's a guy that did the Loki films, who did these videos, was standing filming it by the side of the light, and we see these shadows like run in front of the camera and block block the light just for a, a split second. But it was just like it, it just didn't make any sense how that could have possibly happened. 
it was this yeah. so we, we've got these like kind of weird ghostly footages that are actually in eulogy as well from where we filmed them in these like haunted tunnels and another scene where we filmed down there was the scene where uh kyle's got the rope around his face in misery eternal and he's setting fire to the book and ripping it to pieces um literally just behind him there is like a tunnel that is like 10 miles like in whatever direction just a pitch blackness to another abandoned chapel that's you know down the road it's just kind of yeah it's kind of terrifying wasn't it in those places yeah that's it was nice. a as a strange um you go like on the upstairs in the actual um manor itself it's actually like you can feel something there but it's almost quite welcoming it's like quite a welcoming presence but then when you go in the basement things things do get a bit a bit weird um Fuck off. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just talking about big names here, like Jason Derulo, things like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're thinking about the big dude, look at what they're doing. They're on TikTok four or five times a day. Do you know what I mean? It's like the pace that people are getting accustomed to for content from and, and new stuff from musicians is insane. But because of that, stuff's been quite quickly forgotten. There's things with like 300 songs with 300 million YouTube views in the first, like, do you know what I mean? Like, month of it being out and then it falls wayside. So, yeah, I think we don't we don't want to attempt to match that pace that's not something that we're interested in doing nonna is a, 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 a particularly good at dancing so we're not doing any of the challenges <laughs> and we're not it's just it's just not really for us but saying that though we had a we had a small venture into into tiktok and stuff like that and we had a video get like half a million uh views in like and like fifty thousand likes in like one day so it may, and then that made us like feel like, oh, we should push TikTok. We should do it. We should do it all the time. But the way the algorithm works, it just randomly selects things to become successful because there was no particular reason that video should have gone viral and or ish viral. And yeah, we we quickly were like, this is just not, it's not us. Do you know what I mean, we always like to have content in the barrel, but not at the pace that people are doing it. Now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Jason Derulo. I wonder if his record label or management team will ever go, how many times, Jason, do you reckon you can fit your name into a song? And do you want to just have a song that's just your name or would that be too obvious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, their calling card is brilliant. I've, I've always really enjoyed that about like uh, like popular like popular music, pop music in general, is like, there's like all these calling cards and I really want Jetski to have one. Like if you heard DJ Khaled's, DJ Khaled shouts, we the best music, which is like his, oh. I think like that's his, that's his label maybe or something like that. But he shouts it at the start of any song he's even a little bit a part of. Like he might have just like assistant produced it. And it's like the start of the song is like, we the best music, DJ Khaled. And I think that's so sick. Like if I featured on somebody else's song, I'm shouting Jetski straight away. Like if I, I'll treat it like an MC. Do you know what I mean? I'll treat I like if I was featured on someone's song, I'd be like Jetski, Jetski, Jetski. And then I'd then I'd sing. Do you know what I mean? I like it. It's a cool tactic. Just say your name loads of times. I, I actually did ask a rapper, we interviewed a rapper a while ago, and I asked him, why do you sing your name in songs? And he his actual answer was I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah, for sure. I think like that's there, there's a copy and paste uh, yeah. thing to be successful <laughs> yeah. at the moment. Like within because I and I really like it all, don't get me wrong. Like I'm I really like drill music. I really like just like UK hip hop. Like, I love all that I love all that sort of stuff. But there is like defined looks, flows, personality sort of styles, lyrical content. There's like all these things that I like. 
they're laid out and if you can fit that mold and you can do it well and you've got like a sick social media game like you probably you might be successful like it's actually a pretty good chance (laughs) so i reckon everyone just fits into it and they're like is everybody else saying their name yeah all right on the bus right (laughs) yeah i went i went ham <laughs> if, oh my if God. one was like get on X Factor, no. I, uh, to be fair, <laughs> before before uh, being like in a, a proper band setting. So when I was uh, younger, like I, well, I did the band stuff at school, but I I did the like solo singing on the side, and my mum was like, go on the X Factor, do all this stuff and that. So I did that. So for a while, I wanted to be like the next Usher. And then I've never heard this before. By the way, <laughs> this is new. <laughs> 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 I was uh, honestly like, so uh, it was like this split personality almost like one side of me loved uh, R&B and garage and, and all that. And then this other side, my dad's side was all about metal. So should have blended them together and made like garage metal, like Craig David on a, on a metal track. Like, That'd be amazing. I think we finally Wait, found a genre of metal that doesn't exist. I thought all of the genres existed. Yeah. I know, I know. Maybe we should ask Craig David for a collab, see what he has, see what he has to say. Oh, yeah. Mate, there's no harm in asking. <laughs> I can only ever say no. That's the beauty of it. Or Richard Blackwood, getting back in the music game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're getting off Hollyoaks, wherever he is now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to request the Hollyoaks. Yeah, it's crazy to like, yeah, because my mum used to love that stuff. So, yeah, such a weird mixture of music, but it worked for me. So, (laughs) when you mentioned the wheels on the bus, though, that for some reason I want to hear it with a massive breakdown in the middle. Could you imagine? Oh, yeah. Fucking unreal. Wheels on the bus go round (laughs) and round. Like, (laughs) I'm gonna. We're gonna make it happen. Yeah. I want to see you all go round. <laughs> you got a party cannon with their push-up mosh pits. You need the first nursery rhyme mosh pit. That's what we need now. That'd be brilliant. That's fucking amazing. I'm going to work on it. And if it, if it ever... If it ever... Because I've got this... Thing is, right, when everyone says ideas like this, I always note them down and eventually I do them. Like, we've got... Um, Tony likes to send these weird voice notes. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that's just like noises basically um and it's like i don't know if you've ever heard like animals do like yummy noises when they're eating no they're like basically he sent me a few of those so i've got about 30 tracks in logic with all these different voice notes to them and when you play them it sounds like a ca- uh, a cafeteria in star wars but you know, when you talking in the background, scapegoat is so funny. Yeah, and, and when we were designing the first set list, and I was putting it all together in like a logic file to like for the In Flames tour, and the first thing I did was turn it into an intro to put on before scapegoat. <laughs> and other members of the band said no, but I thought it would have been great. So it's like I just did it in the voice that was like <laughs> or whatever, and he blended <laughs> all of those together into this intro. <laughs> I was saying them without telling anyone, and then I and then I did it, and then sent it. I was like, "What do you think of this sick drop, boys?" <laughs> oh, God. Just... oh, guys, what a year! 
what a 2022 it's been for the Chronicles of Podcast. There's been some unbelievable moments, some emotional moments, some sad moments, some really deep and thoughtful moments, and obviously some absolute hilarity. Um, look out for next year. 2023 is going to be a really, really big year. We've got so much in the works. The Dublin Cross Vlog will be coming to you very, very shortly. We've got a live show, another live show coming, so keep your eyes peeled, get your tickets. Obviously, all proceeds go to the Sofa Lancaster Foundation. We've got some Sofa Lancaster plans in the work as well of how to raise some funds, haven't we, Jamie? Oh, yes, we do. And I'm shitting myself, but excited. <laughs> um, you know, how do you top a bike ride? You, I mean, you can't really, you know, unless you climb a mountain or jump out of a plane. Yeah, but, know. you know, so we've got so much coming up. So many, again, January is already packed. We've already got at least two months worth of shows ready for you. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. It's going to be another great year, James. And I can't wait to do this again next year. We're like, can you you believe when that happened? It's insane, isn't it? I'm so excited. We've got an incredible 2023 plan for you guys. Like Tom said, we've got almost two months worth of shows booked in already interview-wise. But obviously, don't forget to check out the show every week. It's not just the interview. You've got Callum Streetchin's Tom's Journal, My Audience Participation Challenge, Every single week you can enjoy those wonderful delights. And yeah, 2023 is going to be no different. We are so excited. We hope you can all take this journey with us. Hello, microphone cord. Which, yeah, it's going to be great. And I can't, I couldn't have done it with a better person by my side. Oh, stop it, you. But I agree. Massively. Ditto, my friend. Ditto. Thank you to absolutely everyone that's been with us on this journey so far in 2022 for any shows you've watched, even for a couple of minutes, for the comments on YouTube, for the subscriptions, for supporting us at the live shows, for absolutely everything. We adore each and every one of you. We love you all so very, very much. And uh, yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy the next year as much as we did. Uh, But of course, Jamie, before we do sign off, We've had some absolutely unbelievable moments, but I feel that over our podcasting career, there's obviously been some not so great moments. Uh, do you reckon we should uh, get that out there and show the people what's been go- what else has been going on behind the scenes? Just because you really want to get this certain clip out, go on then, roll it. <laughs> oh God, I'm so there. Whoa! Did your chair just break? Yes, my leg just fell off the chair. Oh no. And now a background style down. This is going well, isn't it? <laughs> you need to get a um that I'll send you the Love Island background. If you can get a photo of that, you can just superimpose it in the oh in your God. back so you don't need to have an actual background. We have yeah, these are actual we have to match has it broken completely, Jane? What the chair? Well like, well, whatever you're doing there. And then I'm just hanging that back up. Is it yeah. Tom, is yours a background or is that a no, it's natural it's tapestry. That's crazy. I thought they were like made. full on, like, you know, when you go to like yeah, your I'm background gonna, gonna... Like, in the settings and you I'm can change gonna... it to whatever you want. Oh, Jamie. <laughs> Never living that think... one down. But she enjoyed it as well. That's the main thing. That's the oh, beauty yeah. of this show. It's like, it's not always going to go according to plan. <laughs> um <laughs> Guys, again, thank you so much. Thank you for an absolutely unbelievable year. To all of our guests, all of you, thank you so much for being on this show, for us being a part of this show, for if you came to the live show, for supporting us on our, you know, our Sophie Lancaster raising fund quest that we've been doing. It's just been a hell of a ride, and I can't wait to take this into next year, Jamie. It's going to be unbelievable. And to have you by my side is a pleasure and an honour, sir. Mwah. Beautiful man, you. Yeah.
everything you want to say before I sign this off? Or? No, I'm just going to... To quote Tom, ditto, my friend. We've had some incredible people with us this year, as you say, not just the guests, people who listen to the show, people that came to the live shows. A massive tip of the hat to two, three people that mean the absolute world to us. Matt Roberts, your music every single week. Thank you so much, sir. Callum, your treaching every single week. For last week's Christmas episode, for joining us on the live show, we could not do the show without you, sir. And a massive tip of the hat to our friend behind the scenes. We love you lots and lots and lots, Miss Ori Kimbler. Couldn't do this without you. And every single person, as Tom said, that listens, watches, shares, no matter what you do, we do this for you guys absolutely free every single week and it means the world for you to support us so thank you and we hope you take this journey with us next year and bring all your friends along bigger and better things to come because jamie as for this year we'll see you all next year goodbye 2022 Bye. bye